This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Varun Kohli, Head of Strategic Marketing, PMO, and Global Demand at Symantec. Varun has previously served as the CMO of SkyCure, Head of Product and Partner Marketing at Ignite, and Vice President of Product and Solution Marketing at HP Enterprise Security. He's also an advisor to and investor in a number of technology startups. On this episode, Varun talks about the power of marrying data and story, best practices for taking over as CMO, and more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And in studio, Varun, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, we are excited to talk about leveraging data for storytelling, uh, stepping into a CMO role, and all the cool stuff that you're doing at Symantec. But first, how'd you get into marketing? Very interesting story. I was born and raised in India. I went to school in IIT. I don't know if you've heard the name. Uh, Indian Institute of Technology. Mm. Got my engineering there. Came here for master's in computer science again. And my wife till date makes fun of me. Six years, you learned how to write code and wrote it for one year and switched to marketing. Yeah, that's right. And how did that happen? Uh, One of the companies I was working for got acquired. And as part of the deal, a lot of people who presented the solution left. So I started presenting the solution, engineer. So I was writing code, but I started presenting the solution. Um, Nine out of 10 customers that I presented to bought the solution. So that's when a CMO uh, approached me and said, why don't you do product marketing? And I said, how do you spell that? (laughs) (laughs) So I said, I'm going to do both product marketing and write code for six months because I have no idea if I'll be able to do it or not. He said, okay. And it has been 15 years and that six month has not ended yet. Well, I want to know how you pick the winners or maybe you make the winners because how many companies have you been at that have been acquired by companies like Cisco, Secure Computing, McAfee, Intel, HP, Microfocus, and now most recently, Symantec. Yeah, I, I don't know if I pick them or if that, that happens. A lot of my friends always say, let us know when you're going next so that we can buy the stock. That's what they say. <laughs> but I worked at eight companies and seven of them have been acquired so far. So I think I got lucky on uh, most of the cases. I mean, you know, as the golf analogy goes, better to be lucky than good. Um, But clearly you have done some stuff in your career that is, you know, really put you on a path to success. And one of those things that you've talked about in the past is this idea of leveraging data for storytelling. We talk a lot about storytelling on the pod. We talk a lot about data, but the combination of those two is kind of where the magic happens. How do you how do you view and leverage data to create compelling stories at Symantec? Yeah, I think my belief is very simple. Don't have data without a story and don't have story without data. 
So uh, we sold SkyCare to Symantec two years ago. And if I'll tell you an example of how we leveraged data to tell a story, this was a mobile security solution. All of us travel and we look for free public Wi-Fi networks. Have you ever connected to a free public Wi-Fi network? Um, all the time. All the time, right? Everyone has. So what we did was we looked at all the public Wi-Fi networks around all the tourist destinations. Mm -hmm. So Travel Magazine came up with their list of top 50 destinations and we ranked them by their maliciousness. <laughs> if you take your phone out in Times Square, this is how likely you are to get, a, get attacked by a malicious Wi-Fi as compared to San Francisco Golden Gate. Wow. And that was using data to tell a story. And it became very, very popular. It ended up, uh, it took us all the way to Today Show uh, wow. two years ago. And something like that, where did you go into it with an idea of, hey, I wonder what, what cities are the most or what Wi-Fi areas are the most dangerous or and then kind of back the story out and then do the research? Or did you kind of have the data already and say like, oh, man, we should turn this into something? The later. So we already had the data. We already had all the uh, Wi-Fi networks. So what we did was once we saw the report from Travel Magazine, that's when we looked at if someone is traveling to, let's say, Times Square, how far away from Times Square do they live? They live probably five to 10 miles distance from it. Then we looked at the data in a way that we could tell that story uh, in a way that is interesting. If you say, if you ask me, did I always know that it's going to be very successful? I had that idea that it sounds like an interesting thing. Someone would be interested in knowing this data. What happened? We released this report. Nothing happened. For a day, two days, nothing happened. And I was questioning what went wrong because this seems to be a very compelling story. Two days later, I get a call on my phone uh, and they said, you released this report and we wanted to come and capture this. Are you in your office? So I said, yes, I'm in my office. Who's this? And that was Cron TV, which is San Francisco local TV channel. Yeah. And they said, okay, we'll be there in 30 minutes. And I had not shaved that day. <laughs> so I had to run all the way. Well, now you have a beard. So. <laughs> now I have a beard. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. But I had to go to the gas station, get a razor, get into the marketing closet, wear my shirt and go live on TV within 30 minutes. So we had the data, but we had to find an interesting angle to tell a story around that. Yeah. And I'd say most of the listeners are probably shaking their heads thinking, well, the local news doesn't reach out to me anytime <laughs> I publish a report. Obviously, you're sitting on something good. Yeah, all's well that ends well for that. But was kind of the lesson there that when you create the amazing piece, you actually got to market the piece. Like you can't just hope that it does well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's some of it is you create the piece, but the other part is how do you promote the piece? As a marketer, you can create all you want. But if no one's reading it, you lose the purpose of it, right? So it was very strategic. And I'll give you another example of what we did. Fast forward a few months and there was Olympics in Rio, Brazil. So we looked at the same angle, how many of you are traveling to Brazil and you're going to stay at these hotels, you're going to shop at these shopping malls. I'm going to rank them by their maliciousness. So you can choose your hotels based on where you're staying. Is there a hotspot? Where should you have your uh, cappuccino? While you're having your cappuccino, is someone hacking into my phone or not? Fast forward a few months, we took the same angle and applied it to Christmas. So now you're going shopping. What are the top 10 malicious malls in the United States? What are the malicious applications that you should not download thinking that you're downloading a coupon? I've always downloaded a coupon when I'm shopping. And this is what hackers know. And that is exactly the 
angle hackers take, and that's exactly the t- angle that marketers, uh, as marketers, we took to tell that story. Yeah, I love thinking about the way that you're informing people of information in a way that is how they are going to use the problem, right? Like give them the exact solution in the right place and time that they just would have no idea about otherwise. And it takes sharing that, hey, we're thinking like the hacker for this one. We're doing the research for you. How much money did this whole campaign cost? (laughs) That's most interesting. So we were supposed to be on the Today Show. We were on 250 plus TV channels, print media, USA Today. The print media captured us as well. So we were supposed to be on today's show for 30 seconds. It ended up being three minute, 30 second segment. It was huge. And if you ask a company, how much are you willing to spend to be on today's show? It is watched by the second most watched TV show in the United States. How much money are you willing to spend? And you will get the answer as 2 million, 4 million, 5 million. I'll kill someone to be on the today show. And luckily for us, we only spent $200. That was my flight from here to the uh, studio. Did you stand, sleep on somebody's couch? <laughs> no, I did not have to. It was same day trip. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Same yeah. day. That's even better. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes to show you that with a minimal amount of work on the back of a massive amount of data, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of marketers don't necessarily have that advantage that you had, which was these deep insights that you could relay. If you don't have those insights, you know, and, and this is enterprise security. You know, this is not the sexiest topic in the world, right? But it is a creative way to get your name out there. And, you know, to your point, you were doing all of this and kind of hoping it worked and not necessarily engineering that it worked, but kind of with all of that knowledge now, how do you look at these similar types of campaigns? I think uh, if you look at it, um, you're absolutely right in saying enterprise security is not the most exciting topic. How do you take it to today's show? How do you make it interesting? Because today's show, if you know, is watched by moms of 19 to 45 years of age. Are they the primary buyers for my product? They were not. So if you think about taking this angle as a marketeer, you'll be like, that's not where my customers are. I'm not going to do this. But my advice to the marketeers is think beyond that. Think beyond your customer. Think about who else does your customer speak to? Who else is the customer living with, for example, I'll give you an example, or works with. Everyone who uh, sees today's show either works somewhere or knows someone who works somewhere. The example I give you is after we were on today's show, my sales guy, we were a startup, right? Small startup. My sales guy goes to the office of uh, New York Giants and he gives his card to the receptionist. The receptionist sees it and says, oh, SkyCure, I saw you guys on TV. Hmm. So that is the power. If the receptionist knows your brand, if the CISO is taking a meeting with you, he's not going to ask you, who is SkyCure? He's, he would have said, oh, if the receptionist knows it, I know your brand as well. So don't always focus just on the customer. Don't always focus on, oh, I don't have this data. You might. Everyone in this world has some kind of data that is of value to someone. It's only about picking the right lens to look at it. Did you think when you were, when you were making that, that it could be something episodic, that it could be something, um, you know, we talk about on the show a lot, like audacious, repeatable content, this idea that you can create something that's big enough that it really matters, but also you want to make it repeatable so that you can continue to get value from this thing. Did you think like, hey, this is kind of like a franchise. We can, you know, drag and drop it 
we could do that for the next 20 years because there's always going to be vulnerabilities and there's always going to be people looking for those sort of things. I mean, entire industries are made out of ranking lists. Like US News and World Report is an entire business made of just ranking things. Yeah. Did you ever think that? I think so. And it was very planned. Uh, as I said, we did it for today's show, then we did it for Olympics, then we did it for Christmas. And then once we found value in it, first few things you try and if it clicks, that's when you think about repeating it. Uh, so after we found value in it, we created quarterly reports. We created monthly threat reports. So now people, every time there was a vulnerability, every time there was an attack, they actually picked up all the past reports and saw if there was a trend that showed that this attack is coming. So all of a sudden you said people usually don't get approached by TV, but once you do these things, these things make you credible. Mm -hmm. That's when reporters want your opinion because you are the one who has all the data. If a breach comes along, they'll pick up the phone and call your company. What is your thought about it? Which happened over and over and over again. Yeah, especially with the amount of hacks that are that have happened in the past two years. Right? Absolutely. So we got approached by uh, CNBC after a couple of times. So we did not. They went to our website, looked up 1-800 number and called the 1-800 number. So it doesn't happen. We got lucky there, I should say. Yeah, but I think that it's the same thing about better to be lucky than good. If you're creating something that actually does move the needle. I mean, I think a lot of times people make, you know, we talked about like viral content a lot and how it's like really hard to create something that goes viral, but you have to engineer it for success. What you're talking about, which is something that the everyday person is extremely worried about. There's a culture of, you know, people who are, trying to find and exploit these vulnerabilities. And it's something that like, we just all don't really know anything about cybersecurity. So, you know, any type of education like that, that's simple, it's very binary in your mind. It's like, oh, if being on Wi-Fi at Times Square is a really, really bad idea, I'm just not gonna do it because I saw it from, you know, this, yeah. this piece of content from Skycare. You're absolutely right. And that is why today's show also found value in it, which is why it became a three minute, 30 second instead of 30 second segment. And they went to Times Square and interviewed people. Have you connected to public Wi-Fi? Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? So this actually became much bigger than what we were hoping from this. And the other benefit of this that came along uh, that I'll tell you in is within four hours of the show airing, we got more number of downloads than the year before, twice as many. Jeez. And that is the only time when I actually, the if you know, SkyCurity was based in Israel. That was the only time my head of engineering called me at 5 a.m. Varun, what did you do? My internet, <laughs> my website is not able to keep up. So I said, uh, make sure this is, uh, this is because of today's show. It is airing at 7.48 a.m. in the East Coast. Throw more servers at it an hour from now and another hour from now, because this is gonna happen every hour when they're airing at the same time in different geographies, that's what they do. And that's how we did human load balancing. One minute before 7.48, we threw many servers. After the show, we took them away. Being a startup, we had to think about cost as well. I love that. So stepping kind of out of that experience, you're the CMO of a growing startup, you get acquired by Symantec, and now you have a massive company with a massive amount of opportunity, infrastructure, marketing resources, you know, and not, not, not endless or anything like that, but it's a much different from that, that kind of startup, startup world. Mm -hmm. How did you go into the role that you're currently in with that same type of experimental mindset 
but now leveraging you know the the additional resources and opportunities yeah but once you get acquired my one advice i'll have for the listeners is stick around and look for voids every time there is a merger of two companies be it small and big or big and uh, small or of the two sizes there will be voids created uh, it has happened multiple times in my career stick around and look for those opportunities so when i joined i was running marketing for skycure then shortly after i started running strategic marketing so all the shows that we do every content piece that goes for that shows i started working on that then i picked up product launches across all of semantic started doing that and now few months ago i was chosen to run global demand as well so my advice is stick around look for pockets of uh, empty spaces if you may and raise your hand keep on raising your hand don't run away from the fire keep on running towards the fire and good things will happen to you do you feel like with a company you know like semantic versus skycure or some of the other startups that you've been you have a company that has you know is a top global brand in terms of so many people know it whereas you know in startup world you're just trying to get everyone to know your brand for the first time in most cases how do you kind of look at that that problem as a different as a differentiator in your role? Uh absolutely right. So as a startup, your goal is twofold. Number 1, people know your brand. Number 2, your sales guy is busy so yeah. that you can meet your numbers. Those are your only two goals as a CMO is what I think. I love that. As a bigger larger company, Semantic, I was presenting at a keynote 2-3 uh, weeks ago in Chicago and I my only question to them was how many of you have worked at semantic half the room hand went up then i said how many of you know semantic everyone's hand went up so once you have your customer knowing your brand they also know it as something so your challenge is twofold in that scenario is your customer know semantic but if they only know you as antivirus your challenge is to make them aware we also have email security we also have cloud security we also have web security that's when they say oh i didn't know that i thought semantic was norton mm-hmm. i thought semantic is av so once your brand is known there is a perception about that brand that your customer has which might not always be accurate that's number 1 number 2 once you become the 600 pound gorilla in any space you get many many competitors who will go right after you no mm-hmm. one else but semantic mm-hmm. so then the challenge as a cmo becomes how do you stay differentiated how do you make sure that when a customer is looking at a startup as compared to semantic they don't think that the startup has the cutting edge technology and semantic doesn't mm-hmm. so those are your challenges the challenges remain but just change in flavor and what do you do for that sort of stuff like how are you, how are you influencing those leaders to be able to make you know those decisions and and ultimately know know the difference of the new things that you're working on or if they you know have never been a customer for the first time like hey this is what we're about this is the product suite and you should take you should take the sales meeting yeah um you should you should get to know us a little more yeah uh, i think uh, storytelling comes back into picture so once you have let's say a brand as big as semantic with so many different products if you go talk to a customer about every single product they're not going to buy Mm-hmm. they'll get confused i don't know what you're talking about right so you have to bucket it in a way that is very much in alignment with the customer pain point security as you know is 100 billion dollar market growing at 10% year over year there are 2500 startups or companies trying to solve the security problem yeah if you think of it from the customer point of view they're confused yeah you go walk a show floor like rsa 2000 plus vendors 
every single one of them saying the exact same thing, as a customer, you're confused. Yeah. So it's very important, the story that you tell, number one. Number two, once you become a big brand, then you, what you can do is talk about cost savings. If you're gonna go deploy five different products for these five different problems that you have, you will have to call five different support, yep. 1-800 numbers. They would not work with each other because they're all competing with each other. But if you have a single vendor deployed at multiple locations, you can integrate them, bring the complexity down, bring the cost down. So your storytelling changes, but storytelling is still the most important thing that you do. That's a great point. We, we've talked about the bundling and unbundling as one of the great things. Yeah, there's those, those two things that at odds constantly. And that is where startups differentiate. What are some of the ways that you do that with your content, with your stories? So I think once you reach that stage, something that also becomes important is third-party validation. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever you want to do. You can say whatever you want to say, but if no one else is saying it, it only has so much weightage. Once an analyst puts its word on it, a stamp on it, then it has a different weightage. Yep. So if I go tell a customer, we play in only five different markets as semantic and uh, we are a leader in all of them. They'll be like, okay, everyone says they're a leader. A startup who started yesterday, they say we are a leader in this uh, space. So then you go to the analyst validation part and you say there are only five magic quadrants that semantic plays in and we are on the top right corner of every single one of them. You can't pull a magic quadrant and say, this is semantic and you're not a leader in this magic quadrant. So. The customer has the option of choosing best of breed or a sweet option, but once they get an option to choose best of sweet, that is when the sale becomes very easy. I love that. That's great. Best of sweet. I haven't heard that before on the show. <laughs> Look at you, man. Did you find that as you are looking at other opportunities within the ecosystem, this this confusion that you're talking about? It's something obviously as we as marketers, you know, we've all seen the Martech stack slide and all that stuff. I think every C-level executive at this point who buys technology is definitely confused. They have, I mean, you could spend your whole career just taking sales meetings at this yeah. point. How do you eliminate that confusion and kind of streamline the process? How do you focus on, you know, what whatever it is, customer journey or customer success or those points where, you know, you only you can fight and win and those differentiation qualities like best of suite or those things to say, hey, we got your back. Don't worry. We're the one for you. Uh, I think the other thing that helps in such scenarios is in addition to the analyst word, a customer's word as well. So do not think of your customers as just someone who's going to write you a check, but take them beyond in that customer journey. Mm -hmm. So they became a lead, then they became an SQL, then they became a SAL, sales accepted lead, then an opportunity, and then they close and become a customer. Most marketers forget about them then and there. Yeah. Do not. Do not go to them a year from then for renewal. Go to them sooner to check on things, to make sure they are using the thing that they purchased and it is behaving in the way that we promised them. If that is the case, if you're providing value to the customer, they'll be the number one salesperson that you have. Instead of you talking at a show, have a customer talk at that show. No one can do a better sale of your product than your customer. And most of the revenue of your existing company comes from your customers. The easiest sale that you can ever do is to your customer. So your customer should be the center of everything and that's when your marketing becomes easy. Do you have any best practices on telling customer stories that you've seen in your career? 
think best practices around customer stories should be backed by data. So the story that I, I usually ask customers is, what were the problems that you were facing? What was the situation? And I call like calling this framework SIPAB. I don't know if you have heard of this mm-hmm. framework or not. So S is situation. What is the situation that you were in? What were the challenges, C for challenges, that were causing uh, because of the situation? What was the impact that was in your business? Uh, what is the product that you purchased, semantic product, for example? What were the actions that you took after purchasing that product? And what were the benefits that you realized? And once you have this picture, then there'll be a lot of customers in the room who can relate with that story. And the benefit part of it is very, very important. If they are actually facing those problems and that's a high priority for that year, you have a very easy sale to do. Yeah, and I think being able to dig in on those things because you know people buy for all sorts of different reasons. And when you can share not just like the business benefits, but the personal benefits of how that person you know, got a promotion because yep. of this or got extra time, you know, spent less time at work and got a few extra date nights in every month or whatever it is. Like those are all the reasons that if you can really be the investigator and the sleuth and find those things from your customers, those are those anecdotal stories that really make a difference. Absolutely agree. And I'll give you an example. For example, um, the largest healthcare company was a customer of my previous company, SkyCare. They purchased it to secure their em- employee mobile devices, mm-hmm. right? Now, based on that, they also had a threat map that came with the product that shows all the locations that are risky. Mm-hmm. So when they were planning their executive offsite, they actually looked at locations, they looked at cafes around those locations to see if there was malicious cafe around the location or oh, not. that's great. We never created the product for that reason. We were not ranking cafes in United States that you can have your offsite at this location and not at that location. But customers will find these interesting use cases of your products, like you said, that you would not have imagined in your wildest dreams. So talk to your customers, ask them about how they're using the product, and the stories will surface automatically. That's a great story because the unseen challenge that you were talking about, which I got to, we'll, we'll add that in the show notes of, uh, was it SCAB or what? SIPAB. SIPAB is, you know, I could see the the billboard ad. It's like, imagine being hacked on your company offsite, right? Like that sort of imagery is so powerful. Like, could you imagine how freaking stupid you would feel if, you know, your CEO got hacked when you're sitting at uh, you're sitting at the cafe in, uh, you know, in the middle of Napa Valley or yeah. something like that, right? Like, but that's a really crystal clear value prop that your customer might not know that, you know, other people use the customer are using. That's one of those things that I think it it doubles for prospects and for customers because those new use cases of like, hey, did you know some of our customers are using the product for this? Like, that's some of the best, uh, you know, fodder for renewals that you can get. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your favorite campaign that you've ever done other than the the amazing uh, the amazing USA Today one? All right. You put me in a tough spot by saying other than USA Today. Yeah. Uh, the other one I think we did was uh, back in the days for a security company as well. Uh, we ran a campaign called Domain Health Check. Ooh. And that campaign was everyone should go visit a doctor every now and then, annual visits, 
how when was it last that you took your domain to a doctor i love that so that's the approach we took and we had a huge repository of intelligence without you being a customer you just go put in your domain name and i'll tell you if there are any email spam associated with your domain are there any bad websites associated with your domain so i'll give you a lot of intelligence even before you became a customer so that was a campaign we ran and uh, very cool graphics very cool other campaign uh, sub campaigns associated with it and that resulted in i think uh, 2 million dollars in quarterly pipeline without doing anything wow how'd you uh, how'd you promote it Did uh, you, like we, buy ads all this stuff uh, digital ads so on any places that people are reading about uh, domains spam antivirus uh, network security so we would, we used to do digital ads on yeah. those places what about a campaign that was maybe uh, one of your least successful campaigns or best learning experiences wow you're making me see say some controversial things <laughs> that i was not <laughs> planning on saying uh, i this think is, it's great stuff though i mean you're you've got it all <laughs> the least one was something that i was i was actually against it and uh, ceo used the veto power Oh, uh, yeah. against uh, that one that was uh, very controversial on the messaging front i don't know i should say no that. no but that's a, that's a good, that's a good example i mean I, well, you don't have to go into the details yeah. of it but i think it's it's a good thing of positioning when your ceo is good. Okay. adamant about one yeah. thing yeah. and okay. you as the cmo are like hey we're not taking bets here uh you know but we're going to learn from it yeah So this campaign I was uh, not supportive of right from the very beginning and the CEO said Varun are you offended I said I personally am not offended but it's very offensive and I'm mm. sure a lot of customers would be offended So we still went ahead CEO's vote all of the CMOs know when the CEO says something you have to do that so yep. So we went with that and everyone who was visiting the website homepage on that day was shown that video campaign video if you are a returning visitor or a new one doesn't matter they were seeing this video right 4 to 5 hours into it we started getting calls our customer support started getting calls especially from churches mm. and they said if this is the kind of marketing you associate with we cannot renew your product mm. and the campaign was taken down within the same day spent i don't know half a million dollars that was not effectively used so that was the least favorite favorite of my campaign I didn't design it but I was there when that was done. That's it's a it's a great insight on just how some of those things can just get a life of their own. And you as the CMO, you know, you I think a lot of the folks who listen to the show can identify that you're okay if they're not all winners, but there's just that certain line that you're like I I just I I can't put my name on this. But if, you know, we got to figure out a way to say hey, it's not I told you so, but we'll just look for other stuff in the future. Yep. Yep. All right, let's get into some lightning round questions. Lightning round, these are fast and easy questions. Just like marketing automation from the good people at Pardot. You can go to pardot.com/podcast and learn more. Lightning round style. Are you ready? I am. What app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? Nextdoor. Favorite one day getaway. Napa Valley. Any ad campaign that you've seen recently that you're envious of? HubSpot does a great job. Favorite book or podcast you've read or listened to recently? Three of them I'll say. One is Hard Things About the Hard Things. So good. Been in recent, very good. 
Zero to One, Peter Thiel. That's yeah. very good. And uh, The Human Bible, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, great. That's amazing three. We just had Mark Cranny here in, uh, in studio. Nice. Yeah, he's, he's great. What thing are you most excited about for future marketing? I think uh, future marketing, you have to see what your customers are doing. Where are they doing it and how are they doing it? So I believe innovation now, I know it's not the lightning round answer, but I'll still say it. Uh, innovation earlier and was uh, cheaper, faster, better. And now people want lazier options. They Ooh. don't want to do things. They don't want to go watch movies. Netflix is born. They don't want to drive their car. Uber is born. They don't want to go shopping. Amazon is born. Now they don't want to type. They want to talk. And that would be very interesting a few years from now when marketers are supposed to show ads when people are actually not searching. They're actually talking to the technology. How do you market to them? So that would be very interesting to us. I love that. That's a great insight. What's your best advice for a first-time CMO? Don't get fired because first CMO almost always gets fired. <laughs> uh, I love that. Final question. What question do you never get asked that I didn't ask you today that you wish you were asked more often? What was the golden ratio of your marketing programs when you were the CMO? Oh, I'm so in on that. What was your golden ratio? So... Um, Golden ratio, if you know, most of the marketers do. If it is three, if you put a dollar in, three dollars back in pipe, that's the golden ratio of three, that's not good. If the golden ratio is five, that's okay. Seven is good, excellent is 10. My last company, we were at 14.65. Jeez, how'd you get that? Uh, some of the things we did was very good. Some of the things were not good. And it's all about constantly measuring and replacing the last two with new ideas. So keep the 80-20 rule. 80% keep same, 20% keep replacing the bottom performers. I love that. And I'll add that your USA Today campaign, that is the perfect example of something that when you build virality into your campaign, which you can do with content, then you can get all the results back, right? Absolutely. And if you're just always buying ads or doing stuff that only has a limited return, there's no room for virality. Absolutely right. You nailed it. The golden ratio, Master of Rune. This has been absolutely awesome having you in studio. Pleasure. Uh, we we got to bring you back because uh, there's just a lot of awesome insights that we didn't even get to scratch the surface with. Pleasure. Pleasure to come back and thank you for having me here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. 
At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.